With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. It's another Monday. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe back with you once again. Rob, what's up, man? Another Monday, Andrew. Yeah. We're doing uh, doing well on this side of the state. And, um, uh, you know, with uh, the state kind of opening up on Friday, it's kind of like we're moving to the next phase of this pandemic and kind of what's going to happen now. Um you know, in our state and around the country and w- with college sports being a part of that landscape. Yeah. So did, did you, was your weekend any different than it's been in the past? Did you, you go out to eat or anything? Do you, you see more people out and about anything different for you? Yeah. I'm just not there yet, man. I'm not, I'm, I, um, I'm just not ready to go out and like sit in a restaurant yet. And yeah. that's, I mean, it's, that's up to obviously up to each individual that wants to do that. I did not go downtown Iowa city this week, but, uh, had heard that this weekend that the restaurants were doing a pretty brisk business. And, um, I, uh, my wife and I kind of got our garden started this weekend at nice. home, so we're still doing the home thing. How about you? Yeah, gardening is actually our uh, our theme of the week for my son's homeschooling. So we did some ah. gardening over the weekend, and we'll we'll keep doing that. But no, I'm I'm with you. I'm just not. We're just not quite there yet. Um, you know, and uh, as yeah, as you said, no judgments to the people who who have made no. those decisions, and I understand that side of it. I'm lucky enough that um, my life and my work haven't been as impacted as a lot of people. You know, if if I owned a restaurant or or got most of my salary from the service industry, I'd probably feel different. We all have our own perspective, but yeah, we're just not there yet. I heard some kind of mixed reviews. I had a couple of people who said they went out and, you know, it was nice to get out and just have a change of scenery and interact with people a little bit more. Uh, but also I had one guy tell me like, man, I went out Friday night expecting it to be this like fun, great thing. And, uh, it was, it was just so weird. Um, to, it was kind of lonely. Uh, you know, it's, it's so different. There are so many protocols in place that, it almost was depressing for him and his wife to have gone out and um, have it kind of stare in their face again. Uh, so, yeah, yeah some, some mixed reviews. It'll be interesting to see kind of how this how this all progresses. Yeah, I kind of go back to when it kind of it started and, you know, my first trip to, to the grocery store and just kind of that vibe of how, wow, this is different. And, you know, the markings on the floor and then how that progressed to shields, at, you know, the shield, the plastic shields at the checkout. And I'm just I'm not ready to go through that now in a restaurant setting where I'm sitting far apart and wearing a mask and just I, I, I just can't. I, and like you said, I'm not standing in judgment of anybody who's doing that or any restaurants that are open and you know I just I hope everybody's taking precautions and doing the social distancing thing and sanitizing and doing all that stuff that they need to do because if not Andrew um the chance of a uh, of a college football season this and this is selfish on my part <laughs> and, and I'm sure a lot of people that want to see live sports come back if we go backwards here because people aren't um you know, sticking with the rules, 
that's going to be unfortunate for all of us. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. You're exactly right, and it's it's you know a little bit of pain now for a lot of pleasure later. Like, uh, the, yeah, there is that part of me that's like, yeah, it it would be nice to go out to a restaurant. It would be nice to you know see my parents again and and you know have my my son get together with his friends and things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if this is what we have to do now to yeah make sure that this fall things are, are a little bit more back to normal, we get a college football season. Uh, maybe more importantly, in Hawkeye Nation right now, as we get a college basketball season. Uh, in in its entirety, and so uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. But uh, hopefully, it's people are being safe. It's in- interesting that um, you know we're still. Sa- we talked about a good portion of the beginning of our podcast last week was the mis- mixed messages we're getting, you know, from a from a sports perspective, college sports perspective, on when things may. I I even have trouble using back to normal now because I don't <laughs> right. think the old normal is going to be I, whatever the new quote-unquote normal will be and and when we can have games whether there's fans in the stands and you know we went over that last week and we're still getting that and I wrote a column about that last week just to how I I, you know and we talked about how just if people could not (laughs) could not say things are going to happen so definitively put out maybe a model or um you know, uh, the possibilities or certain different scenarios that could happen. I I can wrap my mind around that. But when you're telling me things are going to open up June 1st or July 1st or July 4th or whatever, uh, and it doesn't happen or, you know, there are people and decision makers from all over the country with different messages, it just makes it so confusing for people. And I read this morning that South Carolina, the University of South Carolina is, I guess, going to have in-person classes up till the middle of November, end of November, and then go to online classes in anticipation that there's going to be a second wave of this. Wow. And it's, I think their last football game is right when they're going to close or, or close the school for in-person um classes and go to online so it's just there's there i I, i'm like one of those people that likes organization and uniformity and i just i don't think we're going to get it with this man you know i I agree and there there was this naive part of me when this whole thing started and i I realized it maybe three or four weeks in like i guess i just thought because everything happened so quickly at the beginning um we started to kind of get word that that this was worse than than maybe we we thought it was going to be but it seemed like that wednesday night the nba shut down that next day you were in Indianapolis uh, and uh, the Hawks were supposed to play that afternoon and and that's kind of when it all happened that week what 10 11 weeks ago now and for whatever right, reason right. I had this image in my mind that it was all going to end as quickly as it all began and uh, again about three or four <laughs> weeks in I realized wait a minute you idiot this, this is not how it's going to happen it's not going to be one day everything's shut down and the next day everything's back to normal this is going to be a really long process, and as you said, normal is probably out the window at this point. Uh, it's just kind of what we can get done and, and how close to normal we can make things, you know. And, and there's talk now about high school sports coming back. You know, Iowa is in this unique position where we still have a high school season yet to go that hasn't been canceled. We had this summer uh, baseball and softball season, and, and you know what should happen with that, and if they try to yeah. go forward, what is you know all the tentacles that that uh, has with it. Yeah, I didn't mean to apologize for interrupting. Do you know the, what the timeline is in that, Andrew, when we might find out if there's going to be baseball and softball? You know, I know the last time that over here we talked to the the Boys um, Athletic Association, they had a, a June 1st kind of deadline of, of kind of okay. what they what they had hoped to have a decision. Um, I know last week the governor talked about it a little bit, saying – she hopes to, to have it everything ready, and, and they hope to make some sort of announcement here in the next week or so. But then Keith Murphy over here uh, took that kind of comment from her to both the girls' union and the boys' association, and they they both kind of responded the same way. Hey, that's great, and I hope that's true. And if the governor tells us we can go, then then that's her giving us permission. But that doesn't mean we're going to go. You know, she doesn't gotcha. make this decision. Uh, they they have to make this decision for themselves and uh, for their schools. I mean, if I'm being honest, Rob, it's really hard for me to sit here today and think that this is going to happen, think that high school sports should be one of the first things to open up. I mean, again, there's there's so much goes into it, but you think about can you social distance? Um, the kids aren't as at risk as, as most people, but uh, coaches right. and umpires and bus drivers and ticket takers and uh, all, all those people certainly would be trainers, things like that. Um it's it's and, just, it's so hard to to know what the right move is. 
and families are such a big part of high school yes. sports. I mean, is yes. it even, I guess it is worth playing because the kids still get to compete, but to not have your parents there watching you potentially, yeah. you know, especially your final season of whatever the sport might be is just – yeah, man, there aren't any. This is not going to be normal at, yeah. at any at, in any way, shape, or form. And I, I was, I'm glad you cleared that up for folks too. I wasn't sure who had the say in whether or not they they would play these games and when it when it would start. I, I know uh, the governor had encouraged it to start, but um, I saw, I think it was an interview with uh, Chris Cuellar from the. Um, uh, athletic association I've, I've known chris for years and good guy and yeah he seemed like lo- just the logistics of pulling it off are going to be really difficult they, they really would be and you know then there's the part of it it's, it's hard to imagine having a state tournament at principal park when the iowa cubs aren't playing you know if yeah. if they weren't wouldn't be playing by then i know here in urbandale where, where i live uh fourth of july is a really big deal in urbandale they take it very seriously we're very proud of the celebration we put on we have a carnival and a street dance and a, a big parade and all this stuff and over the weekend they announced that uh everything essentially except for the giant fireworks uh display has been canceled so there, there won't be a parade this year there won't be a carnival and Ooh. and to think that you know that's that's early july and and to think that there'd be high school teams practicing and playing uh, before then well well things like that are, are being canceled and things like the state fair are still up in the air it's just hard for me to kind of wrap my head around you know, I know things have to start at some point, and and to an extent, we're we're running an experiment right now by opening things slowly and and make, you know seeing how it goes. I'm just not sure that high school kids and, and high school sports are the place to to run that experiment. Uh, it's important for the people involved. I understand that. I was a high school athlete. It would have devastated me to lose my senior year. But in the scheme of things, it's ultimately not all that important. And so it's it's. But again, it's it's hard, and everybody has their own perspective. If I had a kid who was in high school, I'd, I'd probably feel differently if i was a coach or something maybe as well Um, yeah i agree yeah it's i just we talked about this last week it's just i think the best approach to this you have to plan ahead like you know, Kirk Ferentz and, and Gary Barta have talked about how they're constantly meeting with other Big Ten coaches and ADs and trying to model uh, different scenarios on how this thing can work going forward. And, and But I just think you can do all those things and it's great to be prepared. But as I wrote in my column last week, the virus is in charge of this, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, it's going to decide when we can and we may not know when that perfect time is. But I think um I, I think if, if you follow along with how things are going with the virus, that pretty much gives us our timetable. And you just take it day to day. We all want to rush through things. But maybe if anything, this whole pandemic and quarantine has given us a chance to kind of sit back and understand that maybe patience is a good thing sometimes. Yeah, maybe to slow us down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, be- before we jump into the Hawkeye stuff, uh, one, one other thing I just wanted to ask you about real quick. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, have you been watching? The, the Last Dance, the, the Michael Jordan Bulls 98 documentary that just wrapped up on, on ESPN. Okay, so here's my background. I, and we've talked about this in the podcast before. I grew up out east and uh, grew up a Knicks fan. So uh, yes. um, those Bulls... <laughs> Those Bulls programs were not near and dear to my heart at all. Um, certainly a lot of respect for them. So I, I started this by thinking, eh, I'm not watching this, right. man. I had to live through yeah, this. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> and then probably like after the first four episodes aired, I was like, ah, what the heck? I'll go back. So then I, I, do- I dove into the first episode and boom, I was caught up immediately. <laughs> I was like, I think I got through the first six episodes in like, you know, a day or two and uh, caught up and then watched the last two Sundays live. So yes, I did watch it and uh, I'm glad I decided to do that, even though uh, some of it was painful, including the trivia last night where what uh, what Hall of Famer did Michael Jordan's Bulls eliminate the most? And uh, yes, we know the answer was Patrick Ewing. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. You know, it's <laughs> it's funny because I came at it from a, a little bit of a different perspective. You know, growing up here in, in Des Moines in the '90s, obviously Michael Jordan was everything, and, and I was a, a Jordan fan uh, just because everybody was. But I didn't really watch basketball. I wasn't into the NBA until I was in high school, and and at that point, I was a a Kobe and Shaq Lakers fan, and gotcha. and Kobe's my favorite player ever, and then I'm a, I'm 
still a Lakers fan. And so uh, for the last like 20 years, I've been losing every argument I've had between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, right? And so uh, over that time, I've kind of built up this anti-Jordan sentiment in my head. <laughs> And and I gotta say, watching so so going into it, I was like, I'm not gonna love this. Um, much like you, I fell in love with it pretty quickly. Uh, it, it certainly isn't a flawless documentary, but uh, it was it was definitely fun, and it gave me a whole new appreciation as an adult to be able to watch just how good Michael Jordan was at basketball. It didn't give me much appreciation for you know who he is off the court. It didn't dive into that nearly enough. I didn't think I would have liked to see more about his personal life and maybe some of the years uh, post 1998. But regardless of that. Uh, it just showed me how damn good he was at basketball and how dominant he was in the 90s and, and just kind of the the cult of personality that, that I was just caught up in as a little kid. I didn't really understand, you know, but I wanted to be like Mike, just like everybody else. And, and I watched Space Jam and all that. Uh, so it was it was fun to kind of relive all that and then see some of it, especially the game stuff uh, through an adult's eyes who kind of understands it a little more, especially last night in the finale. You know the the final few minutes of that game six, uh, it, it was just uh, it was cool to kind of relive that, even as a guy who uh, doesn't love Michael Jordan. Yeah, and I think that for me is kind of you can kind of put these things in different boxes. And I think for me is I knew all the stuff that happened on the court. I watched all the games and followed all of that. I knew, you know, what they were about in terms of how they how they did what they did and how they won how they won. But the behind the scenes things w- was great. The, you know the the kind of the personal um, relationship he had with the security guard Gus. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think there were some there were um, some of the stuff with Pippen I think was interesting and Rodman um, but I just think overall for me it's the cultural phenomenon that it was from you know marketing and shoe sales and doing a movie and you know the commercials and the Gatorade and all that other stuff and all I mean it really changed the landscape and, and kind of paved the way for what we know how big college and pro athletics have gotten now good or bad in this country he was such a huge part of that and those teams were such a huge part of it it wasn't just in america the united states it was a worldwide phenomenon it certainly was yeah and it again it was kind of cool to see all that and a, a pretty well done documentary um I, and now what what are we all going to do on sunday nights it's like <laughs> this is this has kind of kept us all you know and i know nascar started this weekend and uh, there's people watching you know german soccer and korean baseball and uh, all When's this golf stuff, but, start again uh, I, think golf? It, I think it started over the weekend i didn't watch any of it uh, okay. but but that that has begun now so uh, there'll definitely be some more live sports but man this the the 5 week the 10 episodes yeah. of this Jordan documentary really kind of carried us through a, a dark period there. Yeah, and you think about and they, they made that point last night. I forget who it was. It may have been Hannah Storm. How big he was without social media. How, how, right. you know, how he was able to brand things. I mean, everybody now about is about branding. <laughs> and, and that was him. I mean, he started that without social media to benefit it. It's really, really kind of incredible. Uh, all right, let's let's get into some Hawkeye news. And, and there was some news this morning that you kind of just alerted me to. Uh, I saw you, you're doing some uh, double duty here as we record the, the podcast. You tweeted out uh, a, a Hawkeye offer. I guess they, they made a few offers, and I know that kind of sends up a red flag for you that you got to go do some work. And uh, one of the things you did was catch up with, uh, with Mac Markway, who, uh, as you were saying before we started, and I'll let you kind of go on this, um, a name that all Hawkeye fans – uh, should get to know or, or will certainly hear a lot in the the coming years yeah definitely andrew he's a uh a tight end out of st louis uh some of the older hawkeye fans will remember his dad matt markway uh who played it played tight end at iowa during the 90s um and was um college teammates with both you know Epi Epinesa and LeVar Woods and kind of the angle of my story that we have on the site is that LeVar Woods has now gotten to the point where he's recruiting um, the, the, the sons of guys he play, <laughs> played with and he was a really integral part of getting AJ Epinesa here. I mean the relationship that he had with the family and knowing AJ since he was little. There's a similar situation here with Mac. Um, they've known the families have known each other forever. Um, he's watched Mac grow up. Um, so, despite this kid just finishing his freshman year, he's six four, two fifty, uh, and his offer list is 
you know, it just grows by the day. He's got offers from Alabama, Florida, uh, Michigan, Texas A&M. I mean, this is a this is a kid that's only played one year of high school football. So gives you an idea of what type of level of recruit he is. And these are often kids that Iowa does not have a chance with for the most part. But that connection with LeVar Woods and the family and, and that Matt played here and all of those things. And, and as I told you before we started recording, he visited here during his, his eighth grade year. Uh, uh, you know, of school before he even started high school and then came back in January and he's got to meet with, with coach Ferentz and, you know, Brian Ferentz and LeVar Woods. He's been on campus a couple times already. So Iowa has a, has a chance here where, where normally you don't have a chance with a recruit at this, of this level. Iowa just doesn't beat the blue bloods uh, unless there's some, usually some type of an angle. We saw it with James Daniels, his brother being here for, you know, before that. So, um, this is one to keep an eye on. And, and like I told you, Andrew, when everybody, I mean, we, we lived through the AJ Epinesa recruitment for several years. I, I, I think we're, this is going to be similar. This kid's name is going to be out there and people are going to want to know what's going on with him now until he decides to commit, which probably isn't for another t- two or three years. It's, it's kind of amazing to, to talk about a kid in, in this light who's this young. You, you mentioned that he had, he had visited Iowa as an eighth grader. I can't even get my head around that, uh, you know, where I was mentally as an eighth grader, let alone physically you know thinking about my college decision and where i'm going to play you know division one football and i would encourage people to watch the film of this kid um it's it's in it's at the bottom of my story on hawkeynation.com it's got his freshman highlights and you look at it and you're like man I mean, this does not look like a freshman. I mean, he's blowing guys up. I mean, I was impressed with his blocking as much. He didn't catch a lot of passes. His school was undefeated, too. I mean, he played for a state championship team that was unbeaten as a freshman. Um, and, and this, uh, it's, I think it's pronounced Desmet Jesuit. It's D-E-S-E-S-M-E-T Jesuit. Those that are familiar with recruiting and familiar with high school football in this region, that it's a very, very good program that produces a lot of Division One talent. And for him to play as a true f- or as a as an uh, you know as a freshman last year and contribute pretty, you know, pretty significantly f- to a state championship also says a lot about his talent. So, uh, yeah, he's on the board now. He's got his his Iowa offer, and this one is going to be one that the Hawkeye fan base uh, pays attention to here uh, for the duration. I know you'll have a, a lot more on this. And, and all the other offers up at HawkeyeNation.com. Any other names or any anything else that uh, that people should kind of be looking at from uh, from what you learned this morning? Um, yeah, we actually we we published they they started uh, and we've talked about this before, Andrew. May is a huge month for recruiting. Normally, <laughs> back to that word again. Normal, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, this is the month where where coaches can go out and visit kids and kids, um, you know, get to you know get to visit with their coaches and their teachers and it's it's big for Iowa. It's big for all schools to be able to go out and do that in person traveling around the country. Well, as we've talked about, there's a dead period that was instituted with the the pandemic that now last week I believe was extended through the through June, which. June is also a huge month for recruiting. That's the on-campus prospect camps where Iowa identifies a lot of kids, younger kids. Uh, They come to, you know, come to Iowa City, work out, um, you know, do a full day of camps, uh, sometimes multiple days of camps. Those are wiped out. I usually, or I shouldn't say usually, in more recent years with the change in the recruiting schedule, Iowa's, June has become Iowa's big month for official visitors uh, in the classes, usually, you know, uh, the juniors and seniors that come in, a lot of guys that are verbally commit, that's been wiped out now. So a lot of things are changing continuously on the recruiting front, and Iowa has adjusted, and, you know, it's now offering guys in those 22 and 23 classes um, um, and it had a couple of offers last week that we've written about and have stories about. Uh, Devin Jackson from Omaha Burke High is a linebacker, uh, one of the more highly ranked linebackers in the region and in the country who has a really impressive list of scholarship offers. We have a story on him and him talking about uh, his connection to Iowa. And Jibberin Payne is a running back out of Cincinnati, four-star running back, again, with a lot of offers already. Um 
who I published the story on this morning. Got some basketball stuff. This month's going to be real heavy with recruiting because for, uh, for for football and basketball, this is just a big month for recruiting. And both Iowa football and basketball have now adjusted, and they're having to identify kids and, and – um, uh, evaluate them more from film and Zoom conversations and things like that than seeing them in person. But recruiting does not sleep, Andrew, is, is, <laughs> is a term that we, those of us that cover this like to use, and uh, it won't sleep. And there's gonna, there are going to be offers going out pretty briskly this month, and uh, we are going to uh, follow that. And we will have stories throughout the month on that, and that's probably going to dominate a lot of our coverage for the month of May. Well, and that's exciting because you know both the football program and men's basketball program, throw the wrestling and, and women's basketball programs in there as well, are, are all in really good spots right now, kind of, kind of feel like they're healthy uh, on the upswing and and uh, and so hopefully the recruiting and the stories and everything will uh, will reflect that because that, that's always fun to watch it's always fun to kind of think about you know the next group you, you don't want to forget about the group you have but you, you always want to th- kind of look ahead uh, you know as as they've said we're fans of the laundry out there uh, you know regardless <laughs> of who's wearing those uniforms uh, most of us going to be cheering on the Hawkeyes one way or another I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Do you want to talk a little bit more basketball recruiting uh, in depth a little bit? We teased last week that uh, we would go player by player of the the five guys coming into the program uh, this year. But before we do that, Rob, uh, there was some news in this past week, a couple of items uh, since you and I have last spoke. Uh, the big one, I guess, is that the Big Ten did approve the hardship waivers for both Jordan Bohannon and Jack Nunji. So Bohannon will get a, uh, another season. He will be a senior. Uh, Nunji will come in as just a sophomore. Uh, he's going to have one of these, you know, Jess Settles type longevity careers, hopefully. <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully he's a guy that, you know, 20 years from now we're talking about that with. But I think obviously the big one, Jordan Bohannon coming back for his, for a senior season in which He's got a chance to, uh, you know, break records at Iowa, break records in the Big Ten, uh, you know, really put himself back on the map in, in college basketball on a team that that really kind of blossomed in his absence last year and, and put themselves on the map. And uh, if if Luca Garza comes back, and, and that's still a big if, and we won't know until we know, but if he does, this is a team that's poised to maybe have as much hype as any Hawkeye basketball team. I mean, certainly in 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 a couple of decades. Um, but for Bohannon to come back, I think as even though we expected it, it was just nice to finally see and then and then to hear him talk about coming back. I know Chad Lysico over here did a story with him, uh, did an interview with him uh, late last week. There was that speculation that he may be a grad transfer um, opportunity, and, and he talked about that that you know that was something that crossed his mind, but uh, went out pretty quickly, and then he realized pretty quickly he was he was going to stick uh, as a Hawkeye for his final season. But cool to see that that it's finally official. He will be back uh, for for. A, a real senior season next year yeah it's it's um i can't imagine him being transferring to another i mean i couldn't either yeah. you think you, you know you just i couldn't picture him in another uniform you think about you know the the missed free throw in honor of chris street i mean he is i he's too connected and ingrained in iowa basketball to go some i know yeah. you, you know guys think about and i talked to bobby hansen about this former iowa player and, and uh, color commentator for iowa radio iowa basketball on the radio now years ago because i think it may have even been where where it crossed greg bruner's mind when things were kind of uh, tumultuous in, with Alford in the program to, to maybe move on. And, and I talked to Bobby Hansen about that. And he's like, you know, Rob, he goes, I thought about it. He goes, my freshman year was rough. And I thought about trans. He goes, I, he goes, you'd be surprised. A lot of guys think about maybe moving on and the mm-hmm. grass being greener. Um, 
and it it just doesn't happen and you, you stick with it and I, I could i get why jordan kind of thought about it and maybe not knowing who who was going to be on the team next year and maybe going to a position where he had a chance to win big for the first time in his career um but he's just too iowa basketball isn't he I, could you imagine him being somewhere else i, I can't know and i've said it several times on, on twitter i don't think i've ever said it on this podcast but i'm, I'm not afraid to do so jordan bohan is my favorite hawkeye basketball player of all time uh, he's. I, I love the way he plays. I love the ice water in his veins. I love the 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 missed free throw as you talked about. I love the the shoes at Hilton Coliseum last last fall. Um, the the way he carries himself, he he feels like an Iowa Hawkeye. And uh, I I can't imagine him in another uniform. But it would have been heartbreaking for me to to see him go. Um, and and especially when you're talking about you know if. If everything was kind of falling apart and and he was coming back to a team that wasn't poised to do anything at all, you could definitely understand it. He's he's a senior who who could be a, a good piece on a good team on a Final Four type team somewhere else this year. But now he can be that piece on his team. I mean, this is a, this is a team that uh, we probably shouldn't be using the Final Four term with yet. But I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're going to be a preseason top ten team, one of the favorites to win the Big Ten. If he can do all of that. With this program, with this coach who he's known for a long time, with these guys around him who he, who he's struggled with and played with for a long time, uh, I, I can't understand why you wouldn't make that that choice. And I'm glad to to hear that he did because uh, I can't wait to see what he's going to do as a senior. Yeah, and I just think it's such a, a key component to what this team could be next year when you add him to uh, that ability to spread the floor with such a dominant presence inside and Luca, um, you know, with Wieskamp and Frederick and Bohannon all, you know, being able to stretch the floor a little bit. That that kind of man, that's it's it's exciting to think about it that. Is. And then you add in Jack Nunji, who I'm I was surprised when I saw that that component of the. Uh, of the press release, Andrew, I didn't realize they were going for an extra year for him. And, and this early, too, is was kind of surprising to me. But it's great news for Jack. And somebody asked me last week on our Mailbag podcast if I saw him playing the full six years. And I, he just doesn't have to make that decision yet. He can just right. come back, kind of see where things go. And uh, if he wants that six year, he has it. And it's nice to know that in his back pocket. I mean, I think Bohannon will be, what, 23 next year? Yeah. You've got Connor will be a fourth-year junior junior nunji will be a fourth year sophomore sophomore which wow. is just bizarre to say you've got uh garza in you know a fourth year for, uh, fourth year senior if he comes back um Wieskamp, a, a third year junior frederick will be a third year sophomore i mean you just don't see that type of experience in college basketball these days there's just so much turnover transfer portal guys leaving early for the pros it's gonna it's a rare instance I, I don't know if we'll ever see it again to have a team this experienced no i think you're probably right uh and, and a guy who who should be a second year freshman patrick mccaffrey uh but no no word on his waiver um anything to worry about there it, it, that seemed odd to me that they would announce two of the three and then maybe the the one that was the most obvious or the easiest decision in my mind for the ncaa uh with patrick mccaffrey didn't didn't get announced yet any any concern there I don't think so, and it could be just a matter of maybe his paper paperwork wasn't sent in at the same time as these mm-hmm. guys. Maybe it was later, or they just they're doing it based on um, you know. Uh, what grade or what age these guys are maybe they're doing it by you know by um class in college and and he's at the back of the line because of that but he only played in two games he played i think nunji played in five bohannon played in 10 patrick played in two so just logistically or from a logical standpoint i i I would be really surprised if he didn't get the extra year i mean i don't you're talking about a guy who had you know um you know, return symptoms or, you know, residue from from having cancer and only could play two games, man, you'd, you'd have to be an awful cold person to turn down that, uh, you know, that waiver. Well, as Kirk Ferentz would say, Drew Watt should have gotten his year, too. True. So. <laughs> with the NCAA, nothing is guaranteed, but I agree with you. I'd be shocked at this point if, if, if that doesn't come through. Probably this week sometime we'll, we'll learn that Patrick McCaffrey does get another year and, and gets, gets to come back as a, uh, as a freshman. Not sure when we'll know about Luka Garza coming back, and that's kind of the other piece of news 
that came out last week, not specific to Iowa, but the NCAA as a whole. They have uh, with uh, done away with that June 3rd deadline for players who have eligibility to return to their teams, uh, and, and rightfully so. Without, and without knowing when the NBA Combine is going to be, uh, without knowing when the NBA Draft is going to be held, without knowing when the NBA season will or will not resume, it's really hard to, to tell college players, you know, this is the day you have to make this decision. They just don't have enough information right now. Now, several of them probably do, and, and I'm sure Luca is talking with teams and, and working out and all of that kind of stuff, but that June 3rd deadline uh, is no longer, and so really just kind of up in the air. We, we have no idea when these players will make these decisions, and so it could be a while before we know for sure whether or not this Hawkeye basketball team will, will feature the returning Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, and I kind of – I get kind of <clears> – <throat> paranoid in these situations for lack of a better term Andrew and I start to get my mind going and thinking (laughs) okay so the longer we go here is it better or worse for the chances that he comes back and plays another season and and please let me be clear I want what's ever best for Luca if somebody in the NBA tells him hey you're guaranteed a roster spot and a contract he's got to go he's got to do that what's best for him but um, just like you said with the unknown you know moving it back from June 3rd but not having a date it's just wide open now. They just they're just leaving it open ended for when that deadline's going to be, and you know at what point do we get here that you know the college basketball season might be in jeopardy or pushed back, and at that point does Luca look at it and say you know if I don't know if I'm going to play if I'm going to have a college basketball season mm-hmm. why not go you know those are the types of paranoid. Yeah feelings that I'm having on this but again as I said earlier just got to kind of take it day by day and not get wrapped up in that type of thing but I wonder I wonder how these decisions and and how we the unknown may affect what he decides you know I hadn't even considered that Robin and you're exactly right like I, I can see a world in which there is no college basketball season but there is an NBA season and there is a D league season or G league season and, and there is uh you know leagues going on around the world over in Europe right. or, or in in Canada, and if you're a guy like Garza, and it's hey, you can play, uh, you can you know you're going to play and get paid, and it may not be what you wanted, it may not be of the perfect situation, but you know you're going to have a season. Versus, yeah, we're still not sure yet. Uh, that that's man. Now now you got me paranoid. I wasn't ready <laughs> for this on a Monday. No, it's, it's <laughs> well, some well, guy. I could also, yeah, I could also see Luca just saying, "Listen, I I don't care about the deadline yep. and." him being back here i mean it's good that for he's sure. back in iowa city and has been back now for about a month i guess definitely um so that's good i mean that that's that's good news for if you're hoping that he does come back but and i, and I know I, a, couple, a couple weeks ago fran had said something about he and, and jaybo kind of taking a real leadership role in this kind of weird off season and so that, i think that was positive as well yeah they've got the four captains um uh, those two guys, and then Weiss Camp and Connor McCaffrey, and uh, they've kind of been leading like the workouts and in talking to some of the guys that are coming in as freshmen, the five five person uh, incoming recruiting class. They those guys have done a lot to kind of. Um, just kind of integrate those guys in the program, let them know kind of what they would be doing at this time of year and how they can prepare themselves for when they, whenever they are able to get back to campus. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that. Before we go player by player through the, these five guys uh, in the 2020 class, um, just yeah, how much are they being integrated right now? Are they on the same page? Are they in contact with everybody? Are they you know, kind of doing the same workouts? Uh, as far as you know, is, are, are they as fully ingrained in the program as – as you would hope they would be at this point, I guess. Yeah, I guess you would say under the circumstances, yeah. Andrew, that they can't be here and just kind of bond that way, but they're doing everything they can virtually, having Zoom meetings you know, as teams, playing video games with, with guys that Good. they'll be playing with when they get here. So different kind of things that everybody's doing in the world to yeah. kind of stay connected socially, I think they're going to do. But uh, as, as Coach Doyle said a few weeks ago, you can't replace you know the in-person training and practicing and things like that. But you just have to make the best of the situation. And I think Iowa's doing a pretty good job, as it is in football. I think it's doing a pre- it's got a pretty solid plan in place for basketball in terms of getting with coaches and getting with um, you know the the players getting together and and trying to, I think it was one of the the Murray 
twins. It may have been Keegan that I talked to and just said that uh, I think Bohannon sent him like a, a full body workout that mm. they do at Iowa. And he was able to do that. And it was, and he told me, he's like, you know, that made me feel like I was on the team. I was doing something that everybody else was doing that's in the program. So I think little things like that go a long way. They absolutely do. And yeah, you got to build that chemistry regardless of whether you're you're in the same place or not. Well, let, let's let's start with those guys, the, the Murray brothers. And again, we talked about this last week. I just kind of want to go uh, player by player uh, through this five-man class coming in. And uh, you you have articles. Uh, you've interviewed each of them. You have articles up on HawkeyeNation.com. I know if you, you go back through your Twitter just a couple of days, um, and that, that's at Rob Howe HN, you, uh, you kind of tweeted a, a list of all, all five of these articles that you've written. And uh, I read those as you did them, and then I read them again this weekend and, and really, really <laughs> enjoyed you. them. No, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I can't get enough Hawkeye basketball when, when they're good. Um, and so I'm just I'm trying to learn as much as I can about these guys. But uh, we'll start with the, the Murray twins. You know, these are a couple of guys that obviously are, are legacy guys, sons of Kenyon. You got Keegan and Chris. And I remember when their, their commitment was first announced, and I don't remember exactly when this was, but th- there was a healthy amount of skepticism about this because they were guys who weren't seen as, as high majors out of high school. They went to Cedar Rapids Prairie uh, and both played quite a bit, and obviously we, we know their dad, but they, they weren't – they didn't get any offers, and and so when when Iowa signed them, or you know when they announced that they were committing to, to the Hawkeyes, I remember there there was some kind of uh, re- really are, are we just signing these guys because they're Kenyans kids? Um, but but they both played at, at a prep school in Florida, and it really seems like they both uh, improved not just their their games but their bodies and their physicality quite a bit in this in this kind of uh, gap year. Yeah, they were, uh, as you said, they, they played at Cedar Rapids Prairie and their graduating class would have been, what, 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, and they didn't get the looks they wanted from, you know, the colleges and found out that uh, DME is kind of a, it's a postgraduate program down in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. And that's where they went. And it was interesting because um, I think Keegan, uh First of all, these guys, they're twins, but Kenyon was, Kenyon reached out to me personally and then on Twitter saying how happy he was that I wrote separately about (laughs) these guys because every story you read is kind of a, you know, a combination story of, and I get that. I mean, they're twins. They're really a lot alike, but if you watch their highlights in basketball, their, their games are quite a bit different and it's, um, it's a pretty stark contrast. Keegan is more of a perimeter player. Uh, shoots about 40% from three. He's right-handed. Um, and like I said, has more perimeter skills, a little bit better ball handler, a better outside shooter, probably a better passer. Whereas Chris, who uh, this is a note, uh, people may not know this, people may. Uh, Kenyon Murray was, uh, and, and we mentioned this guy earlier in the podcast, was a high, was a college teammate of Chris Street. Mm. And Kenyon asked uh, uh, Mike and Patty uh, Street, if he could, if they would mind, if he he named one of his sons in honor of oh, Chris, wow. his former teammate, and that's where the Chris was named after Chris Street, wow. spelled differently because all of the all of his kids' names start with a K. So it's K-R-I-S instead of C-H-R-I-S. So little note there for people, but Chris, but Chris is more of a kind of a three four, whereas I say Keegan's probably more of a two three. Mm. Uh, Chris is really more of a physical, explosive guy to the basket. He's a better rebounder, a little bit better uh, in the lane and traffic. More of a, a probably a better uh, short shot type of guy, mid-range type of guy. Um, so they're quite a bit different. And I think if you watch them, they really their games complement each other really well on the floor. So I know some people when you were talking about the consternation, or, or originally when uh, Iowa landed the Twins, that people were like, "Well, there's." You know, they're the same player. They're going to play the same. They don't really play the same position. So they complement each other well. And um, I think bring something different to the program that that will be needed. And uh, I think Keegan told me he was 180 when he graduated Prairie. He's now up to, I think, 207 or 208. Um, And. Uh, Chris, I believe, was at 175 and is now up in that same area, you know, in the 205 to 210 range. And that's in a year. 
That's mm. uh, they graduated at this time from Prairie last year, so they've added all that weight. And if you watch them, it's not like they're not eating McDonald's and stuff. This <laughs> this is like really, really uh, well added weight and strength. And you can tell if you watch their film from when they played at Prairie to now how they transform themselves into a you know Power Five players. That that's really cool. And uh, you know we we just talked about how much experience this team has to have a couple of guys who not only know the program well because their dad was a part of it and I'm sure have been around it a lot uh, but to, to have that extra year and, and uh, not just you know put on their bodies but improve their games and you're right they're not the same people One, one's a righty and one's a lefty right, right. <laughs> they, they've got different games we will try to uh, to treat them as different people uh, during their, their time as Hawkeyes uh, but it'll it's be interesting to see if one of them plays and one of them red shirts it will, oh I mean, yeah based on what the team needs that, that'll be really Really interesting, you know. We're we're okay with siblings. We'll see how how Connor and Patrick do on the floor <laughs> together. Hopefully, hopefully this winter. Uh, a guy that we mentioned last week, Josh Agundale. Agundale. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, he, he's a guy from England. He comes to uh, Iowa via prep school in New England. He's a big guy. Was six eleven, two forty five. And the the thing that I really liked about him that we mentioned last week was just kind of his mindset, or at least what he said his mindset was coming into the program with some unknowns at his position with Luca Garza and. He's essentially saying, hey, I'm going to win-win. If Garza goes, I I need to step up and I'm going to be looked at as, as an impact player and I need to kind of uh, make my, my presence felt right away as a freshman. And if Garza stays, then I get a year of tutelage under the best big man in the country. And uh, and what's wrong with that? So I, I loved his mindset and um, – and seems like a good player. Does the it what I guess what kind of a game does he have as, as a big man? Ah, it's a good question. Um at least from his description, and I've I've watched the highlights of him. He's more of a power guy right yeah. now. He's trying to expand his game out onto the floor a little bit more. Um, when he played um, for, he played at a prep school in New England. Uh, one of the better leagues back east is the New England Prep School League, and he played in that league. And his team was, you know, those teams usually have you know multiple Division One players, sometimes multiple Power Five players. I was offered uh, the point guard on that team. I think he's a 22, mm. class of 22. Um, but anyway, Josh wasn't needed to – I mean, they basically just parked him on the block, and he's a big kid. He's, what, 6'10", uh, 250, 260. Um Reminds me of Luca in the way that I think once he gets more committed to strength and conditioning like Luca did over time, I think he's going to blossom. He's got some a really nice – he's left-handed as well, uh, really slick around the basket, long arms. I think he told me seven three or seven four wingspan uh so that makes him play a lot bigger than the six nine six ten that he is um but he is a work in progress he's going to have to develop a little bit more hasn't been playing the game as long i think he's only been in the states for two or three years uh you know grew up in in um in England, uh, against probably playing against not as good a competition, but he's he's kind of getting better and better as he goes along, and kind of is, is more of a late bloomer, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think you know, like you talked about Andrew, and we talked about last week, and he talked about, and I haven't had a chance to ask Luca about it yet, but you know, if he get a chance to play for a season, you know, with Luca, I, I think it would just that would be such a tremendous experience and improve his game so much. Yeah, instilling that work ethic, maybe maybe more. Than- than anything showing yeah. and, and, you know, one of the great things about Luca is showing that you don't have to be the most athletic you don't have to be the most gifted uh, you know basketball player if you work as hard as Luca has worked you can get as good as Luca is and I mean obviously it helps that he's as big as he is and I, I could never be what Luca Garza is but uh, <laughs> a guy like uh, you know Josh could um, moving on here Aaron Ulis this is a guy that that's intriguing um, younger brother of Tyler Ulis fans will obviously remember him Iowa close it felt like like very close to, to getting him, ultimately went to Kentucky. Uh, but you, you'd like to think that that uh, that relationship that the Iowa program and Fran McCaffrey made with the Euless family led to this commitment of, of Aaron. Uh, he's a point guard, and, and he wants to come in and play right away. He wants to come in and be an impact player. I'm not sure 
where that fits or, or where there's room for him. Obviously, things change and injuries will happen, and and you know, you never know what's going to happen between now and and hopefully October when the the season is underway. But um, a, a guy that that feels like he wants to come in and, and make an impact quickly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to do that. He's an athletic guy, plays up up tempo, plays downhill, uh, and and really kind of feels like he he wants to be an impact guy quickly yeah and 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 talking about recruiting on this pod today you know i i interview a lot of these kids and i don't know if i've ever i shouldn't say ever but for the most part these guys come in wanting to play Mm. (laughs) these guys come in thinking (laughs) they can make an impact and that's the mentality you want you want these guys coming in saying hey i can contribute i can make an impact on this team and then they get here and then they figure out whether or not that's possible um i do like aaron in that he you know those folks that are familiar with with watching his brother tyler at kentucky and then in the nba he's more of like um you know a quick traditional you know get into the lane quick dribble type point guard whereas Aaron's more of a bigger body not as athletic not as quick uh, but more physical and if there's a spot where I think he could help Iowa next year and we've talked about this Andrew I was if I was going to reach the heights that it wants to reach next year in terms of its expectations, it's got to be better defensively, and that's something where I think Aaron can help. He's a physical kid, uh, but with good lateral quickness, and, and he could help on the defensive end of the floor. Mm. Um, a little bit better shooter, I think, than Tyler was. Um, from from deep initially, Tyler d- definitely got better at that as his career went on. Um, but uh, I think Aaron is is uh, more of a big-bodied point guard, very versatile. He can rebound. There could be minutes for him next year. I'm I'm interested to see if he might be able to to get his get his get himself into the picture there. But uh, like you said, Iowa's you know, and we've talked we talked about earlier. There's so much experience coming back. You have to wonder how many. But then again. You know, you look at Iowa's going to have a turn, a player turnover. Yes. You know, in the next year or two, even if you can only get these guys five or ten minutes a game, maybe it's worth getting their feet wet. Yeah, that's a really good point because anymore you you worry about guys transferring who don't play or, or who get redshirted and and you're exactly right. This whether well, this Iowa team seems like it's going to be fun and you definitely have some things you know coming down the pike that that are interesting. Uh, the bulk of this team, or at least the bulk of the scoring on this team and the star power on this team, is is likely gone uh, in a year or two. And and so um, we're we're going to be relying on these guys and and yeah, right. g- getting them some minutes in Big Ten games uh, probably not not a bad idea. Uh, the the final guy, the fifth guy coming into the the program in the 2020 class, Tony Perkins. He's a 6'4", 185-pound uh, senior out of Indianapolis. Uh, Iowa, I believe his only major offer is that right, Rob? But but had, had a, a big senior season. Yeah, I think if you look at this class, there may not have been another – maybe none of these guys had another Power 5 offer with the exception of – or I guess you call it Power 6 yeah. uh, in basketball. But maybe Ulysses had DePaul, mm. which is Big East and is kind of Power 6. Right, right. And DePaul beat Iowa last year, so you got to give him a little bit of credit for that. But, um, yeah, this is one of those classes that uh, – and, and Perkins is pretty much the poster child of this a guy who was really under the radar but then um took off as a senior how many of these guys do you would you i guess are are there are there two red shirts in this class is it more than that is it less than that i mean would would any number surprise you would anybody being redshirted surprise you no i think this is really a group that has to get on campus and compete um who knows when that'll be and then figure it out from there and just how the pieces fit and that's going to be obviously fall on coach you know fran mccaffrey and his staff perkins is a guy though that uh really was under the radar but was one of the finalists for mr basketball in indiana and I, I don't know. Maybe people have just listeners have just heard Indiana's pretty good at high school basketball. <laughs> so for him to be in that conversation, it gives you kind of an indication. I think you know, with a lot of these guys, and even the Murrays, um, 
when I when Iowa got commitments from them, there were there were high majors that were poking around. Bruce Pearl from Auburn was starting to. I mean, because he was here when Kenyon was here, mm. there there was starting to be some interest there as well. Aaron Eulis was starting to get more you know interest. Uh, Josh, I think it's Ogundelli. Ogundelli. It's Ogund Ogundelli. I think he told me. I, I could be wrong on that, but. <laughs> Uh, we'll learn. He, his, you know, he was starting to, his stock was starting to rise too when, when Iowa finally landed him. So I think, uh, although you don't have a four star marquee guy in this class, a guy that, uh, you know, people were excited about when they committed, I think it's a really good group. And it's the type of group, as you said, Andrew, if you get them another year with a red shirt, that could be pay even bigger dividends down the road. Then I guess the the last thing, uh, just kind of an overall view of this class. You know, it feels like this program is is kind of poised to take the next step. And uh, for for many people, many Hawkeye fans, many people listening to us right now, that that's taken too long under under head coach Fran McCaffrey. But uh, it does now finally seem like uh, the program is kind of where he wants it to be, and and poised to really have a big season. Is is this recruiting class and is recruiting overall, I guess, on par with the recent success on the court? I think so. Um, he's still kind of fighting uh, the battle. I mean, being in the Big Ten and some of the programs that are in the Big Ten, being in the footprint with a lot of those schools, sometimes it's hard. I mean, it's yeah. hard to beat Michigan State and Purdue and Indiana, you know, um, for kids. And, you know, there are some good players at Iowa in Iowa, but it's there's more in football than there are in basketball when you talk about high major type kids. And that makes it a little bit more difficult. And I think you've seen that, Andrew, in kind of the un you know, the the lack of balance in the recruiting classes. Yeah. Um like you look, you're gonna have, you know, guys that are uh, in the upper classes next year, but then you have, I think you'll have Toussaint will be the only uh, true sophomore next year. And then you've got Frederick as a red shirt sophomore. And then if Patrick gets a red shirt, he'll be, he'll actually be in this freshman class, almost making it a six freshman class. But then you red shirt, you know what I'm saying? The puzzle is mm. kind of cloudy. Who, who red shirts here? How do you break these class? That's a big component of basketball recruiting, trying to balance your classes so you're not left with the cupboard bare and in talking to Fran a few weeks ago he's thinking about maybe only taking one player in this 21 class so then whoever red shirts in the 20 class would be with that player it's just the puzzle's really hard when you're trying to to build a program the way Fran is in terms of development and I think after a decade we we can see now he'll get guys like Tyler Cook and Luca Garza, four-star guys that other programs want. Joe Wieskamp, mm-hmm. um, you know, even Patrick, guys that are are you know a top hundred type players. But a lot of the 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 makeup of the roster are guys like Ryan Creener or Cordell Pemsel or even Jordan Bohannon, who was a, a guy yeah. who kind of developed over time. It's the you know, it's the the combination. It's mixing, you know, a cup. You know, the the high level recruits you can get with the developmental guys. And I, I think if this team can experience success next season, whenever that is, that opens more doors to you in recruiting. And then maybe you get guys that are more um, college ready when they get here and don't have to develop. So it's constant. It's a constant. Uh, process for for coach McCaffrey and his staff to try to build these teams when you're talking about you know the the programs that they play uh consistently in the Big Ten I mean you're talking about a a really tough conference and in a footprint where it's really hard to go in and get players from Chicago or uh Minneapolis or wherever when you're competing against schools that are, are in that footprint yeah, and Iowa fans know that you know the the stars of a recruit or the uh, the, you know, the the other teams after a guy don't necessarily mean a whole lot. Uh, you know, Iowa in multiple sports is able to kind of turn some of these guys into uh, into much better than than anybody ever thought they would be. Yeah, and you look at it in basketball. He's done a really tremendous job of that from, you know, Devin Marble to Aaron White. Yep. Uh, even Peter Jock. I mean, Peter Jock was a heavy, uh, heavily recruited kid early in his his high school career, but then the injuries, a lot of teams backed off of him. But then he came here, got a chance at Iowa, and Fran 
you know, developed him into a first team all Big Ten player the way he did with Devin Marble and Aaron White. And he has the ability to do that. If he can, if, if the if success, that, you know, with Luka this year and then maybe as a team more next year can open more doors, you can kind of build on that. It's almost like a, a snowball effect. Rob, we did it again, man. Another fun podcast, another almost hour in the books. Uh, fantastic. It was it was a lot of fun, and let's just just give us a full basketball season. Please just give us a full basketball season. That's, <laughs> I know. that's all that's I the want one, right now. That's, that's the one I feel even better about because it's a little bit farther off, yep. but I'm still, I'm still worried. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, anything you want to plug on the site? Obviously, you got your 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 weekly podcast. You have the, the Mailbag Pod coming up on Wednesday. Uh, we just talked about a lot of the recruiting stuff that has been and will continue to be going on on the site. Um, you know, the, the normal stuff from Dave Schwartz and uh, Rick Brown. Uh, a lot going on at HawkeyeNation.com. Anything specific you want to uh, plug? Yeah, I've got a story uh, probably either published tonight or tomorrow from Rick Brown talking about, uh, and, I, and we've touched on this before, the the athletes of the year in the Big Ten from the various sports. I think Iowa had five of them, if I'm not mistaken, when you talk about Spencer Lee and Luca and uh, Kathleen Doyle and then they had a couple in track I believe too um, and, and it may even be more but Rick kind of broke that down and, and kind of put that in uh, in a historic perspective as he does so well so we'll have that story either tonight uh, Monday night or, or Tuesday a lot of recruiting uh, Hawkeye History podcast this week with Ryan Donahue what's more Hawkeye History uh, than a punter an all Big Ten punter, exactly. you know, having a yeah. having a podcast with uh, a punter. Punting is winning at Iowa, so we'll talk to him. I, I uh, last week's um, prospect podcast was Josh, Josh Volk, an offensive lineman uh, at a Cedar Rapids Xavier. Haven't gotten with anybody yet to see who this week's. Um, Subject will be, but we'll have one of those as well. Mailbag on Wednesday, a lot of recruiting, uh, as you said, and uh, probably come up with a column or two this week, too, on, on something that floats my boat. Sounds good, Rob. Thank you, man, as always. We'll, uh, we'll do it again a week from now. Great to talk to you, Andrew. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you for listening, and go Hawks. 